The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, it's Patrick Starr. I'm coming straight to you with my very own podcast, Say Yes to the Guest. I'll be hanging out with some of my fiercest friends and spilling some serious tea on business, beauty, and being a boss-ass bitch. With me, baby, you'll never know what will happen. Find Yes to the Guest on Apple Podcasts or anywhere where podcasts are played. Start streaming and downloading now. And don't forget to subscribe because every Monday we're going in. We got so much to chat about. So turn it up and say yes to the guest. Yes. All the people you are meeting now, if you're younger and all the people that you are, you know, getting into conversations with and that are in one job or another, trust me, these are the people that you are going to come up with. These are the people that are going to help you throughout your life and throughout your career. Hey, it's Mariana, and welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. That was a little clip from today's episode with Jen Meyer. She's an LA-based jewelry designer and founder of her own namesake brand. She has got amazing pieces. We really talk about her whole journey of creating her dream jewelry brand. Jen takes us through her entire career, how she started at fashion magazines to luxury brands, and details of what it was like to be a runner-up for CFDA's Vogue Fashion Fund. And most of all, Jen gives us her tips on success, consistency, persistence, and diligence. Jen is so fun, and I love this conversation with her. And if you want to hear more, keep listening. And before we get into the episode, I have to tell you a few things. We have a brand new Summer Fridays launch. It is called Heavenly 16, and it is an all-in-one face oil. It's called Heavenly 16 because it feels like heaven on your skin, and 16 because there are 16 non-comedogenic vegan oils. There was actually this article came out from Birdie and it said it's a face oil for people who fear face oils. And that's the reason why we used all non-comedogenic oils. So you would feel really comfortable using on your skin, especially if you have blemish prone skin. So we did formulate this for all skin types, even including oily. So the way that I like to use it in my skincare routine is the final step. So at night I'll do cleanser, like a retinol or serum, a moisturizer, and then I finish with face oil. And then after that, I'll use a gua sha. So we've got an amazing gua sha available on summerfridays.com. We've also got a tutorial up on summer Fridays. We partnered with a traditional Chinese medicine doctor to teach you exactly how to use it. So Heavenly 16 is available now at summerfridays.com and at Sephora. So I want you guys to try it and let me know what you think. And I hope that you love it because it truly feels like heaven on your skin. So now that you know a little bit more about our newest launch, it's time to get into the episode with Jen. And if you love it, I would love if you shared it on your Instagram stories or text it to a friend and comment on Instagram and let us know your favorite part of the episode. Now let's hear from Jen. Okay, Jen. So what did you go to college for? I went to college for child and family psychology, (laughs) actually. (laughs) Why did you want to go to school for that? Or like, what was like the interest there? You know what? I didn't know like so many of us. I mean, I, well, I don't know. Now it's so different. At 18, I had no idea what I wanted to do exactly. So I went to Syracuse and, you know, you have to sort of declare a major pretty quickly. And my roommates at the time were were talking about doing psychology and I was looking into it and I really loved the idea of child and family psychology. And I've always kind of been a psychologist at heart and I was really interested in it. I didn't know if that was something I would do for my career or not, but I thought that it would give me a great sort of foundation for life. And honestly, it really, it really has. (laughs) I know now being a mom, do you you even remember stuff from school that you like apply to, you know, parenting now? 
You know, you learned so many of the basics, but, you know, I think that there's little things that I remember and little things that I apply, but just that idea of, um, you know, sort of being calm and being present and being, you know, conscious is sort of how I try to approach parenting, even though sometimes I'm not always as calm <laughs> as I'd like to be. <laughs> I sure it's hard. But I, I think what you were saying too about school, it's like, how does anyone really know what they want to be when they grow up, when they're like 17 or 18, when you're deciding to go to college? It's like, I didn't even know what I wanted to do in my twenties, let alone in my late teens. Oh yeah. I didn't, I, I, I think I started, you know, I started being a designer around 28. So 17, 18, 19, like I was, I was worried about, you know, being happy and having a good time, which, you know, I still try and adopt, adopt that in my life. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't like wrapping my head around what I was going to do for the rest of my life. But, you know, I think that getting an education is so important and staying in school as long as you possibly can and learning. And I wish I had paid more attention and I wish I didn't skip classes and, you know, all the things I would have told myself, you know, what, what I know, what I know now, now that I wish I knew then, you know, I wish I would have concentrated harder. And, but I really, I, I did love the classes that I took and I did love, you know, being present when I was present at school. And I think that it's such an amazing opportunity now. If people do have the opportunity to go to school, you can never learn too much, you know? Yeah. And I think it's like continuous learning too. Like I'm always trying to educate myself and read books and learn more. And I feel like I actually learn a lot too on the job. And so after college, what was your first job? Cause you were working in PR. I was, I was working. Well, actually before... Funny enough, before I was working in PR, I was out of college and basically I was two weeks out and my dad called me and said, what's your plan? And I said, I am figuring it out. And he said, you're figuring it out. And I said, yeah, I'm just taking a little time to figure it out. And I had always worked. Let me just say that like all the time. I always had a job since I was 14, but somehow after college, I thought like I could like take a little time off and figure it out. And he basically said to me, here's the deal. You have two weeks to figure it out. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you are a waitress, if you are pouring coffee somewhere, if you find the job of your dreams, you've got two weeks to figure this out or else there's zero help from anyone ever period, the end. And it was sort of the greatest life lesson he could have given me. So within 10 days, I called everyone I knew I need a job. I need a job. And within 10 days, a girlfriend of mine said, I need an assistant. I'm going to the Toronto film festival. And I said, okay, great. Anything. She's like, it's 10 days. It's going to be like morning through night, basically just, you know, she was like throwing events and doing things. So it was basically just being like a, a, you know, very low level assistant it's for 10 days and it's $500 for the 10 days in cash. And I was like, hell yes. You know, I was like, I've got, I've got 10 more days to figure out a job, you know? So, and I always say then like, I'll, I'll, that job led me in to my entire career. I didn't say, you know, if I broke down $500 from doing, I literally worked from 7am in the morning till about 10 p.m. at night, 
right? For those 10 days, all day, every day. But if I had broken it down, it would have been very little money, right? At $500 for however much, I don't even, I can't even break it down right now, right? But people are better, better at math than I am, but it was very little money, let's say hourly. And the truth is it led me into an, an entire career because she happened to be on the phone with Bonnie Fuller, who at the time was the editor-in-chief of Glamour Magazine. I was 21 years old and Bonnie Fuller was looking for a West Coast beauty fitness editor. Now, mind you, I had never worked at a magazine. I had never worked in fashion. I had never written an article in my life except for like, you know, in high school or college. And I was heard her on the phone. I was like, tell her to interview me, tell her to interview me. And my friend looked at me like, uh, I can't like, what, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? You have zero experience. And she said, well, I'm sitting here with a girl named Jen Meyer and she'd be great for the interview. So I got on a plane to New York from that 10 day job. And I went to go meet Bonnie Fuller. I had no resume. I had no experience. I had nothing. And somehow I'm with the editor-in-chief of Glamour Magazine. And I sat in that room with her. And by the way, I did. I do have to say full transparency. I, I convinced my dad to get me a ticket to New York. He was like, I will get you the ticket. I will give you no, no money. Find a friend to stay with. And the ticket is the return ticket is for the next morning. Like you're not hanging out in New York. You know, I was like, Damn it. Okay. So I went in, I'm with the editor-in-chief of Bonnie with Bonnie Fuller. I basically said to her, I'm like, listen, I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. Like if you're trying to hire someone who knows about LA, knows what's cool, knows this, knows that, like, I promise you I'm the girl to hire. I know I don't have a resume. I mean, I've had a bunch of, you know, jobs over the summers and throughout the years, but nothing, you know, stable. It was one job here, one job there, working at a store, you know, selling clothes. And three weeks later, she hired me and I got to be the beauty fitness editor of Glamour Magazine, which was crazy that I got that position. I worked really hard. It was really amazing. And again, I got paid no money. I just, it it never, it was like, it was all about hard work and like moving forward for me. And it was such an amazing experience. And Bonnie really gave me that chance. And then from there, I went to go work in the West Coast office for Giorgio Armani. And then from there, I worked for Ralph Lauren. And then after that, I started my company. (laughs) Sorry. What a career journey. And I think that's really important to note too, is that each of the things that we do combine, like your first job might not be your dream job or the most glamorous, but I think each of the things that we do leads us to like eventually where we're supposed to be in our lives. A hundred percent agree with you. And every job should be taken like that. You know, you have to, you have to work your ass off at each job and take it seriously. And just like, be a shining star at every job, even if it's hard, even if it's not your ideal job. You know what I mean? You never know who you're pouring coffee for. For sure. And you mentioned your dad a few times. Are there other things that he's taught you either about business or work ethic that you always keep in the back of your mind? Oh my God. I mean, we don't have enough time in the day for me to tell you all the amazing things he's taught me. But I think one thing that he taught me, he always said like, it it really was like, 
you better work hard at every single job and do amazing at every single job. He said, if your boss every single day orders the same tuna sandwich from the exact same restaurant and your job is to go pick up that tuna sandwich, right? He said, every single day, even though it's Bob behind the counter making that tuna sandwich for your boss, make sure it is the tuna sandwich that he likes with mayo on rye. Because the one day that you, even if you do it a hundred times right, the one day that you pick up the wrong sandwich and it's turkey, you know, on white with mustard and he opens it, that could be the day that the boss says, you're not doing your job. You're not double checking things. You're fired. He's like, it's all on you all the time. He's like, never assume that someone is going to take care of things for you. If you're asked to do something, you need to follow through. And I love that concept. You know, it's never like, well, you know, I asked, I asked Mariana if she could do it. And she said, yes. So I just assumed it was getting done. Or you're like, Jen said she handled it. You know, and it's like, unless you have proof that it's been done and handled and it can be checked off your list, like it's your responsibility. Let's take a quick break to hear from one of the amazing sponsors of this podcast, American Giant. I would love if you guys could check them out because amazing sponsors like this is what makes the podcast possible. So I want to tell you a little bit more about them. Just like local makes things better, like farm to table restaurants, this is what American Giant is doing too, because they really are supporting communities in the process of making their clothes. So American Giant knows the power of local. They have long lasting relationships with local manufacturers, workers, and community. They really obsess over every single detail of their clothing at every step. That's how they made their flagship classic full zip hoodie, which went on to be called the greatest hoodie ever made. It's rare to find a company that truly devotes itself to quality, but when you see the difference, not just in the product, but the impact on local communities, you get why American Giant is so committed. I love to invest in my clothes that I can wear over and over again. And there is such quality in this design, the feel of the fabric, and it is so durable in every element. So if you're looking for long lasting pieces, you will love this. And not only does the pursuit of quality give you a better product, but it also ripples outwards. So they create opportunity, connect communities and leave things better than they were before. So explore American Giant's collection of durable essentials at American-Giant.com. You'll get 20% off when you use the code Mariana at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com, promo code Mariana, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A. And I think you guys will really love the quality of the design, the feel of the fabric, and the obvious durability at every element. I hope you love the hoodies. Okay, so from there, so magazine, PR, and then you were like, I'm going to start a jewelry line. So were you still working doing PR at the same time you decided to start this venture? Yep. I was still working at Ralph Lauren and I was very open and transparent. There was a girl named Rebecca McCabe who now runs Chanel. She was my boss at the time. And I told her that I really wanted to start this jewelry line and I planned on doing it and that I was still going to, you know, be at Ralph Lauren. And she was so amazing and supportive. Now I took more of a I took a little bit of a different position at Ralph Lauren at the time so I could start this company and it all really worked out, you know? So I was doing it at the same time. Then the jewelry kind of took off and they were amazing. And by the way, Ralph himself was always incredible to me and supportive. And I remember when, not to jump ahead, but when I, you know, won the, uh, the CFDA Vogue fashion fund, I was first runner up. 
I like to say elder statesman one. I love Greg. And then, and then I was next in line. And like one of the nicest letters I got was from, you know, Ralph himself just congratulating me. So they were really supportive. And I think also, you know, because I was so transparent, it all really, it all, it all worked out, you know? What a special letter too, because I I loved his documentary and I feel like there's so much that you can like learn from him about creating a brand that lasts over time. And I feel like you've been able to do that because how many years has it been now since you started? Oh my God, it's been 15 years. Oh my gosh, 15 years. So when you first started, I know that you were making samples, you were going to get a couple of different pieces, but for people who are wanting to start a jewelry line now, what does that process actually look like? from like designing a piece to actually being able to sell? I mean, listen, you know, the only experience I have is my own experience. And, you know, I'm so grateful that it worked. I've had people that are starting companies now. They're like, how many people do I need to hire? I'm like, what? I'm like, I didn't hire someone till I was, until I had money to pay them from my sales. You know what I mean? So I taught myself. And when I tell you I taught myself, I mean, I taught myself. I saved a very small amount of money because that was the only way to do it. Literally, if I had an extra 20 bucks, I put it in my savings account, an extra $100 that week, put it in my savings account. I saved all my own money. And I decided like, you know, at the time it felt like a really a lot of money to me. And I decided like, what, what better to blow a little bit of money on than a dream? And hopefully it works out. I literally went downtown. I went to Beverly Hills. I went to Culver City. I walked around the streets. If it said jeweler on the door, I knocked and I went in. I had the idea for this leaf that I really wanted to make. At the time, I didn't know there was even a price of gold. I couldn't understand. I didn't know. I didn't know what a mold was. So I went in with like a sketch. I'm like, I want to make this leaf. Half the people were like, so sorry, I can't help you. And then a few of the people were like, okay, well, great. You're going to need a mold. Here's how much a mold is going to cost. And one person told me one price. Another person told me another. And all these different people told me different things. So it was sort of like a a bit of like, you know, trial and error is really what it was. And that's how I figured it out. And I remember getting my first sample of a couple pieces and it was crazy to see them come to life. And then from your first leaf necklace till now, how do you describe your brand and your jewelry style? You know, I always wanted to design jewelry that I wanted to wear all day, every day. And that the women that I love and admire and look at that they had the same thing. You know, I always look at it like, Women are super busy. We, you know, we wake up early. We've, you know, if you, if you're just, you know, on your own, you're getting dressed, you're going to work, you're trying to manage friendships, you're trying to be a good friend, a good daughter, see people, do things, further your career, get dressed, look good, go about your day. And, you know, I'm like, who has time to change your jewelry? I could say like, as a mom, like, you know, I'm up by, you know, six 37 in the morning, we're making breakfast, we're packing lunches, we're getting the kids out to school. We're making sure everything is like organized. They've got their homework. I'm going to work. I'm doing meetings. I'm doing this. I'm running home. I'm, you know, they're too old now for me to do bath time, unfortunately, but it was like doing bath time, making sure everything's under control with them 
doing dinner time with them, sometimes going out with, you know, my friends, having a personal life, coming home, going to an event. I was just like, I wanted jewelry for people that they would wear all day, every day from their morning through their night that they loved, that was meaningful, that they would look in their jewelry box and know year after year, they still loved wearing their Jennifer Meyer pieces. And I wanted it to be simple, yet elegant, yet cool, you know, have an edge, but still like sentimental and be able to sort of layer it and layer it and keep it on forever and put more pieces with it, you know? And it really is. And I love how you style all the pieces too. And then when I'm thinking about, you know, you have your store, which is so beautiful, Palisades Village, if anyone is in Los Angeles. Um, I love going in there. But then when I see it, I think inventory. And I know each piece is expensive to Uh make. So how do you manage the inventory between your store and online and retailers of not wanting to make too much because you have to make sure you're you're able to sell them? Honestly, I, I can't even imagine the thousands of interviews that I've had and that is the first time anyone has ever asked me that. And I think that is an incredible question. I just want to say that. So you have to make money to be able to have inventory. So in the beginning, when I saved money, I knew that in order to continue these to make pieces, I had to continue to put money into it. So, you know, I think that at times people probably take investments or they borrow money or they have money saved or you know they work their day job and do this do their dream at night i don't you know there's so many ways to do things but i have now luckily found myself in a very strong position in my company where i can inf- afford to make the jewelry and have it there to be able to sell it And that's one of the things about jewelry that's so crazy is you're right. You have to make it all, invest that money in the piece and then have it be sold in order to make the money back. It's very rare. Yes, if you're selling to certain stores, you know, I'm lucky I came up at a time where there was no consignment model really. So they put in an order, they bought the pieces, you made the pieces, they paid you right when it shipped in six weeks and that was that. So you sort of knew you were out however many dollars and within 30 days you were getting your check. So you could sort of manage it like that, but you're right. Now I have this store, it's full of jewelry. I own all that jewelry. That's a lot of cash. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but you know, I now have a real amazing sense for my customer and my sales. So I can project what we need and how we're going to do it. And I have an incredible team that I work with and they really help me sort of, you know, we manage that on a monthly basis, but I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of money. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I can only imagine how expensive it is because it's very expensive, especially if you want to try and like design new things and you want to make sure it sells. And I, I can only imagine. And then we talked about the store. So what is like your business mix right now between like your website store and then other retailers? Well, you know, for the longest time I was with Barney's RIP, which is so sad. I love Barney's and they were amazing. And I was with them for over 10 years and we just had an incredible run together. But so throughout the the last, you know, few years, I would say really only three years is when I decided to launch online and open my store. And it has 
I will say completely changed my business. I mean, it's been phenomenal. I mean, really incredible. I thought when, when I was offered this space by Rick Caruso, uh, who owns Palisades Village and The Grove, it was just, the concept seemed so beautiful. And I mean, it turned out so beautiful, his whole concept, the idea, a place you can shop and eat and bring your family, your friends. And I really, really, really love having a home that you can sort of get the feel of my brand. And then online has just been beyond. I mean, I can't, you know, knocking on wood, my wood table. It's just been amazing. So what we've developed in-house is better and bigger than I could have ever imagined. And then we have incredible retailers that we've worked with for a long, long time. Everyone from, you know, net porte to, you know, a small store called Ylang 23 in Texas to now we're with Neiman Marcus, which has just been phenomenal. And there's a whole long list of people, but it's, it's, uh, you, I think it's really important to, to also have your outside retailers because it's just a different customer and a different market that you're hitting. Um, but as important as it gets to really build your brand yourself. Yeah, I think so too. Cause I think with retailers, it's really great for discoverability. And then they'll go to your site and see like the full assortment of things that you have. And then once they get to your site, how is there like an art to selling something expensive online? Or do you think people are pretty comfortable buying jewelry from a website? I mean, I'm shocked. I'm not going to lie. People are very comfortable buying jewelry from a website, but I also think that people, you know, they, they trust the brands that they trust. You know, it's, it's why you guys have such a successful business. It's like, you know, when you're getting one of your products, whether it be from your site or Sephora, it's going to be a great product, you know? And that's how I think people feel about, you know, Jennifer Meyer. I think that people know we look at Every single piece before it goes out to you, we check every chain, we look at every diamond, we take so much time and care. You know, it doesn't go to a warehouse, it comes to our studio, we ship everything. So it's, uh, I think people get really comfortable with your brand. And when you as a brand keep on proving yourself over and over that like it's high quality and you care and you're there for the customer service, I think people just, are happy to spend money. I think so too. And I love that your pieces are so special. Like I've been like the recipient of a, a gift and I feel like it's such a special timeless gift that people love to wear forever as like wearable memories. And that's how I think like each piece of jewelry that I wear. And so Aww. love everything you're doing. Okay, CFDA, for people that don't know, what is the CFDA Fashion Fund? So the CFDA Fashion Fund is amazing. It basically is a fund that gives young designers an opportunity to be for their for their brands to be seen. And um, it's really evolved over the years. I mean, I did it a lot of years ago, but at the time I did it, there was no, you know, God, this is going to age me, but huh, but there wasn't Instagram. You didn't do Instagram and your website and things like that to sell online. So it's basically, they do it with Vogue. And when you do it, you develop and, and, you know, first they do the top, you get into the top 10 and I think hundreds of people apply. So getting into the top 10 was pretty amazing. And the person who guided me was Meredith Melling, who was 
you know, an editor at Vogue at the time. And she now is the owner of Laleen, that amazing brand. So it's so funny, like that just lends itself also, like, I know I'm going to talk about CFD Vogue Fashion Fund, but all the people you are meeting now, if you're younger and all the people that you are, you know, getting into conversations with and that are in one job or another, trust me, these are the people that you are going to come up with. These are the people that are going to help you throughout your life and throughout your career. And I get to pay it forward now, which I love. I mean, you know, I love when I'm able to help people and connect people and get people jobs or whatever the case may be. But all these people, we were all young, just all trying to figure it out. And everyone's, you know, doing their thing. And it's incredible to watch. So anyway, sorry, that was a little detour, but. So the Vogue Fashion Fund really gives you this opportunity to have, you know, be seen and, you know, you get a full page in Vogue. And let me tell you, like the minute, the minute I started this and Anna Wintour, who everybody thinks is so scary, could not have been more incredible or lovely or warm. And like, you're part of the Vogue family. Like, I'm going to help you, you know, like the minute I email her, I would have an email back within 10 minutes. I mean, talk about you know, like professional beyond, you know, and and then you get a mentor. If you're one of the winners, there's three winners. And I I got, um, it was me, Tabitha Simmons and Greg from the elder statesman. So, you know, it was, it was, it was a pivotal moment for my career to say the least. I think, did I watch a Tiffany's documentary? And then was there something about you in there from the fashion fund? Oh my God. You have a good memory. So they give you sort of a test and everybody has to design something. And Tiffany was a sponsor at that time. And you were supposed to design something great Gatsby related and with Tiffany. And so, you know, I designed sort of my dream line for Tiffany. I think everyone had to design something in that vein. That was pretty amazing. So I can't believe I remember that. I, I think I watched it like an airplane like a long time ago. Oh my so God, I, I, I have like, to your... find that documentary and show my kids. They won't care, but I will. <laughs> For people who are wanting to start a jewelry line now, what advice would you give them before getting into this that you think they should know about like the reality of like what it's really like? Listen, the part of designing is great. And I think when I started, there were so few jewelry designers and I really didn't see what people were doing. I just kept my head down and created what I felt could be successful and people would love and what would be beautiful. And I think that like right now, I think that, you know, get all the advice you can get from people and you've got to come up with great designs that, you know, people will love. You got to make sure that the quality is always good. And I mean, I design, you know, fine jewelry. It's 18 karat gold and precious stones. And, but you got to make sure that the quality is wonderful and that people know that. So they want to keep coming back. You got to be creative and you have to be really smart when it comes to managing your money and managing your team and hire people around you once you become successful and you can hire people or you start making money. But each person that you hire, like just make sure they they could hope hopefully be a little smarter than you in whatever area you're hiring them for. You know, I have surrounded myself with the smartest women who just, I couldn't do it without at this point, you know, now it's a much bigger company and it takes a lot to run it. So 
you know, and slow and steady. I always say slow and steady wins the race. Like you're not in competition with anybody. You literally zero competition. All you're there is to build your brand the way you want your vision executed. And for someone wanting to buy their first Jen Meyer piece, where do you think is a good place to start? Oh God, that's a good question. Uh, diamond tennis necklace. No, I'm kidding. So, uh, (laughs) I would say, you know, I started my company on my leaf and I do a mini leaf, which I love so much. And I think that the concept of a leaf is so special. It's all about new beginnings, starting something new. And I always say like, as women, especially, you know, we're always starting something new every day, whether it's a new friendship, a new relationship, a new part of our job, a new experience, like, you know, reading a new book, you know, learning something new, whatever it may be. And it's always turning over a new leaf and it's like, you can always grow. And so I think that, um, I would say a mini leaf is a good one. little reminder. Where can everyone buy your jewelry and follow you? Well, you can all buy my jewelry at jennifermeyer.com and, uh, or the store. If you ever find yourself in Los Angeles and the Palisades and, um, Yeah. My Instagram is Jen Meyer Jewelry. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.